This episode is sponsored by Paleo Valley's pasture-raised chicken sticks. I'm super excited to share Paleo Valley's brand new pasture-raised chicken sticks. These chicken sticks are made from 100% pasture-raised chicken and organic spices that are preserved using natural fermentation rather than preservatives. So yes, no fake stuff or additives here. These chicken sticks are sourced from regenerative family farms raised on American pastures and each stick is free of chemicals, antibiotics, pesticides, and added hormones. Paleo Valley's chicken sticks are a perfect snack packed with 7 grams of protein and frankly, a great value without skimping on quality. Make sure to support this podcast and head over to paleovalley.com slash nwj and use code nwj to get 15% off your order. Thanks again for listening and supporting this podcast. Hey guys, it's Judy from Nutrition with Judy. Thanks for joining me today. While you're here, please make sure to like and subscribe, hit the red button. If you're listening to this on podcast, please make sure to leave a review as this allows my content to get in front of more people. And thank you for that. My name is Judy Cho and I'm board certified in holistic nutrition. And I have a private practice where we focus on root cause healing. And we often start with the carnivore cures meat only elimination diet. Today, I had the pleasure of sitting down with Neil Dudley. He is part of the Peterson Farms company. I met him during the KetoCon's Entrepreneurial Mastermind. The thing that stuck out about Neil, which really made me want to have him on my channel, was that he was very honest, very genuine, and he's not about the frills, and I love that about him. We talk a lot about Peterson's sourcing and a lot of other things that come with the business and being a cowboy and how to even be successful in life. It's not these quick wins or these quick fixes, but it's talking a lot more about the hard work and what all comes into play to have a fulfilling life, and then also how to make nutrition a priority in your life. Neil Dudley is a Texas gentleman who believes in hard work and having a little fun thrown in. He is the vice president of Peterson Farms, and he focuses on the communication and partnerships with others for Peterson Farms. Neil Dudley is also the host of the Cowboy Perspective podcast and the Peterson Farms podcast. Neil has been in the business for over 20 years, and he really believes that lots of hard work, consistency, commitment is some of the ingredients that you need to be successful at really anything in your life. We talk about a lot of things, and I hope that this conversation gives you another tool or lever to get you to root cause healing and genuine wellness. Let's get right into the conversation. Hi, Neil. Thank you so much for joining me today. You know, we met at the KetoCon's Entrepreneur Mastermind. We shared the stage together. I had so much fun sitting next to you and just hearing all your inspiration about the Peterson Farms. And so I'm excited to just have you introduce yourself to my community. So if you can introduce yourself to the people that are listening and watching. Hey, everybody. Well, first, Judy. You know, everybody kind of exchanges these pleasantries early on in these conversations. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Oh, yay. It was so fun and nice. I'm serious about this. I want your audience to get value from my presence here today. And and that's what the goal of this is. I want to tell them I'm a guy born and raised in a small town in Texas on a cattle ranch who is now selling pork and and bacon and sausage. And I've been doing that for over 20 years. And I'm no brilliant person, but by default, I know a lot about these things because it's just my life. It's it's how I've lived it. And I, I want to share with you those experiences so you have a trustworthy, believable, real perspective on what I know about so well. And so that's kind of a quick introduction of just, I've been doing this a while and I'm looking forward to sharing those things with you and your audience. Yes. I'm, and I'm very, very excited for this. So, you know, one thing is that you're the VP of Peterson Farms. If you can just explain a little bit of who Peterson Farms is, you know, what got you into this business and then um, what your a day looks like for you. Yeah, sure. Peterson's is a all natural, no antibiotic ever a minimal ingredient food manufacturer. Now we're vertically integrated. So we raise our own animals. 
at least a portion of them. We've been lucky. We've built our brand. We've built our business where we're not able to grow all the animals we need. So we have to find like-minded uh, partners to source animals from. But our core is food processing and serving consumers who are concerned about the food they eat. You know, this is serving people like you who are really concerned about nutrition and the holistic approach to our life, our health, our happiness, those things. That's what Peterson's is all about. We've been doing that since 1992. I have worked myself up from a QA tech. The president of the company is my best friend since kindergarten. He was hired and he worked himself up to the president of the company in one year's time. At, at about that time, I was back home from college. I'd went and studied uh, for a master's degree in economics for some time, and that didn't really turn my clock. So I just came back home, was working on the ranch. He called me and said, why don't you come over here and uh, work at this bacon company with me? You know, that sounds real simple. This bacon company, well, it's a lot more dynamic and intricate than that. But we've just we just got in there started working the ethics and morals of the cowboy lifestyle, the farmer and ranchers who raised me just permeates our business. It's how we've been successful. And this truth, these conversations is, is about the only way I know to share that with others and give them a chance to say, okay, cool. There's a cool, trustworthy place. I'm going to go and I'll, I'll, I'll own every mistake. The truth is you said something in one of your questions about how do you be successful? Own your mistakes, folks. That's how you be successful. Like really be accountable for those things. So that's Peterson's. That's where we come from. A day in my life is we do a podcast. It's Peterson's Farms podcast. I spend a lot of time talking to people around that, setting up the logistics of those conversations. Judy's been really nice. She's going to come on to our show and tell tell our audience about her perspective and, and the things she knows. We do live stream Q&As. So that's what my day looks like. It's really dynamic. It's not as involved with actual farming as you might think it is. It's more about telling the story, finding ways to make sure we're doing what consumers want. One of the biggest things that I get asked in terms of bacon and sausages is, well, there's all these fillers and nitrates and sugar added to bacon. So what what options do I have? And so you're one of the brands, the Peterson Farms is one of the brands I always recommend. If you want a no sugar added version, here you go. Here's one with no nitrates. And not everyone is sensitive to nitrates, but there's a handful in uh, the carnivore community. So what made... Peterson Farms, you know, make a bacon that doesn't have sugar. And then why do most of the brands add sugar and all these nitrates and stuff? Well, I don't know. I wasn't in their boardrooms, <laughs> but I know, uh, I don't know about the other people. Peterson's stopped putting sugar in our product because we had people working at Peterson's and within our families who were looking for no sugar added products. They were in the, they were doing the paleo diet. They, my dad, in particular, didn't like our bacon prior to taking the sugar out. It was just too sweet for his taste. So we took it out. Turns out nobody else was doing that. Um, this was in about 2012, 2011, 2012, that time frame. And it really opened up a whole new demographic market segment subcategory of bacon for everybody. Now, I would encourage everyone to go look at the shelf, look at your bacon offering at whatever retailer you shop at. I'll bet you find a no sugar option in there. It may not be Peterson's. It may be a private label. It may be one of our close competitors. But that really comes from that lucky truth. We had people on our team at Peterson's who were looking for a solution. That is how you find the next big thing. You listen to those people in your organization, you listen to those consumers you're connected to, and simply ask, what do you want that you can't find? And, and go try to solve that problem. That's awesome. Um, I love it. And I oh, love well, Real quick, let me touch on, though, you asked, why do people put sugar in there? Well, it's addictive. It's an <laughs> e Sugar is addictive. Right. It is for me. It is for you listeners. It, 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 there's, it's just a fact. So if you can put sugar in it, well, then you have 
an ingredient that will drive reuse, you know, or drive buying that again. Yeah. And it makes sense because we think of the traditional or the the common breakfast in America, we add bacon and then people will dip the maple syrup in the bacon too. So they're adding even more sugar. So it makes complete sense what you're saying. Um, I I think they also add some of the nitrates just from a um, preservation perspective. So it can stay longer on the shelves. Maybe there's some of that as well. Um, Well, So let's touch on that just real quick. Um, Nitrates were a great thing. And it's arguable they are a great thing today. As we were evolving, as food was, as as we learn more and more, here's a truth. Petersons, I don't know everything there is to know about food. There's going to be technology. There's going to be findings, science, et cetera, come along that is new information for me. So nitrates were the very best solution for curing uh curing and holding meat over time years ago so i mean to me that's a great solution it was it helped humans survive and and eat nutritious meat you know what we've found is now with refrigeration with the advancements in everything around us you don't have to have that agent that ingredient to get the same benefits of of time and 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 the truth is i would argue if something doesn't per is it perishable it doesn't eventually rot and go bad it's probably not good for you hey guys just to let you know my carnivore cure book is back in stock for nine months it was out of print and used prices were up to three hundred dollars Make sure to get your copy today that has over 200 colored tables and graphics and over 400 pages of meaty goodness. We have a limited supply, so get your copy today on Amazon.com. And if you can leave a review, I'd be super grateful. Agreed. And Peterson Farms also clouts themselves as being organic. So what does that label mean? You know, there's a lot of people in the wellness space that says organic has become very convoluted. So we don't really know what organic really means. Uh, what does that mean for your farm or your company? You know, for us, it means that the farms and the products, the farms are raising organic animals, which means it has to be on organic land. They have to eat organic feed. Um, that's kind of the two biggest pieces of that. There are a few kind of humane truths that go along with that, but not really stringent things. It's one reason we do a third-party audit, because we just expect more of ourselves. We want a third-party audit that is specific to the humane treatment of animals. Uh, Organic is one of those really difficult things for consumers to navigate and I feel for them. I feel for you as a consumer. I feel for myself because a lot of the times I don't understand it. You hear organic, you picture pretty pastures, everything, you know, and that's not exactly how it is. Now, it is true in some cases, but it's not true in others. The government dictates what is organic and what isn't. So there's a set of rules. When there are rules, as in any game, everyone figures out where the gray areas are. And you go, the gray areas are where sometimes the profits lie. So let's say you could make a little more money and you could get your animals certified organic without them ever being on pasture or outside or these kind of things. Then businesses, entrepreneurs tend to go make money by doing that. And it's an imperfect system. We all know it. You as consumers should know it, but it's still pretty darn good. It's a lot better than some of the other options. I think you just should know, be skeptical. It's not always what you think it is. And follow Judy, follow Peterson's, follow, there's a lot of great resources out there uh, through social media, through blogs, through brands that you can spend just a little time and you'll get a lot better uh, 
picture, full picture of what the truth is. I wanted to um, pivot a little bit and talk a little bit about you and your podcast. So you have the Cowboy Perspective podcast and, you know, I'm, I'm, I was born and raised in this city. Um, obviously, I know what by definition a cowboy is, but what is a cowboy to you and what does that mean? Uh, you know, what does that mean to you? I started the podcast, The Cowboy Perspective, because I had an itch to try to share those things that I think are really valuable to me in business and family, faith, life, all these things that I got from the cowboys and cowgirls who raised me. The cowboy probably is a lot like organic. You picture a certain thing when you hear it. Hat, boots, mustache, uh, you know, Yellowstone has added to that persona with their success. To me, cowboy is more similar. It's why I say everybody has a, a cowboy perspective. I mm-hmm. think, Judy, you have a cowgirl perspective. It is that grit that humans have. It's that desire to earn it, I think it scares me sometime in our culture today how we are looking for a way to make it easy <laughs> for everybody. The earning it is the journey, it is the fun, it is the reality that you want. And so that's what cowboy is to me. Yeah, I look like a cowboy that when somebody hears that word, they picture that. And it's advantageous for me, it's part of my brand, it's part of Peterson's brand. It sets us apart, and I like that. I'm appreciative for it. But cowboys don't have really any special secret sauce over anybody else. There's probably a little different way of thinking about things. Like when I was a little kid, I would crawl into my mom and dad's bedroom, lay by my dad's side of the bed, hoping he would step on me when he got up, and I'd get to go do cowboy stuff with him, which was work cattle, build fence, be out in nature. Those were my experiences. I learned about death. I learned about animals. I learned about hard work, sweat. I learned about stay out of the way. You know, there's just so many things that uh, all that turns out to be really valuable for me in my career today. And that's, that's, I guess, the long story around what no, I, cowboy perspective is. I love that. Um, I I grew up in I guess a gen- generation where working hard was so good, and where you would have to climb climb the ropes in corporate. My parents are from obviously a Korean Asian descent, and so in that community, it's always if you work hard, you keep your head down and just get work done. Your superiors or the people above you will support you, and that's just sort of how that community oriented culture. Uh, worked. And so ever since starting in corporate America, I always just was very diligent with getting my work done. I was always one of the last to leave and that hard work benefited me long-term. I don't see. And then by the end of my corporate America job, I was probably 12 years later into that uh, consulting business. I saw a change in the associate. So a lot of them would say, I'm sorry, you don't know that I have a master's. If you are asking me to staple some papers, you can clearly do that too. And I remember there was a dynamic like that with a director and a new associate. And I started seeing the shift of people don't want to put in the hard work because they feel either that they have some superior title or they went to some education or they just don't need to start from the ground up. And I see that it's not everyone, but I do see that lack of work ethic and how it may start bleeding into our cultures and affecting people to really achieve things that will make them truly happy. So I can see that even from a uh, non-cowboy's perspective. Sure. My dad says it like this. I wanted you to get the bumps and bruises and all of those things along the way, because I know how valuable that is. I know how much self-worth and self-esteem is built in those bumps, bruises, failures, losses. I think in my life, the losses are more valuable to me than the wins. Yay, the wins. Everybody thinks I'm cool. Uh, I'm the next Michael Jordan. We're the next big, huge brand. Yay, the world thinks that's awesome. That's less valuable to me than the time we failed to take care of an employee. They quit and went on to do another thing that was really great. We could have had that person as part of our team, but we missed that opportunity to do the right thing, to leverage mentorship and and those kind of plays. 
Now, I don't fail at that thing anymore. Like, I know how to build teams. I'm very good at that because of those losses, and they hurt so bad. Uh, you know, I also do the Cowboy Perspective because it's another way for everybody to see one of the top executives of the Peterson's company in a different way. Um, it gives them a more deep insight into who I am. So they're going to understand how I make decisions. And, and that gives them a better way of knowing when they vote with their dollars to support Peterson's and our products, what kind of decisions, what kind of expectations are going to be had over at Peterson's. It make, and, and it makes a lot of sense. You know, when it comes to having a family business, having your own ranch and doing all these things that are can be difficult, you know, how do you do it and how, how do you stay successful? And I know you say embrace the losses, but what are some other things that you've learned along the way? I'm not sure this is going to answer your question the way you want it answered, but I'm going to give just the literal truth. <laughs> you know, this, what I do is I wake up at 4.30 in the morning. I get active immediately. I go work out. I spend an hour in the gym. I come home. I take a cold shower. I start my day caring for my health, my mental preparedness. So that is super important. That is that is about the only way I've found that I can handle the truth of what's coming next, which is a barrage of craziness, uh, especially if you have a family and kids and you work with other humans in any way. And, and then if you add animals into that who have their own personalities, their own expectations, their own needs. So it looks very different from then on. Um, and you can say, well, you know, I always do the things I hate first. That's a lie. I mean, I think it's a great idea. I wish I did that. I try to throw water on the biggest fires first. And it, uh, and that dis that makes my schedule crazy. It's inevitable and it has always proven true. You find space in the day once you're done with the fires that you can look forward, think, uh, you know, work on your business and not in your business. And I look for those places really hard because that, that to me is the most fun. The other things are required. There's no vacation in taking care of a business or an animal, but you find those, those kind of open spaces where you've got an hour, 10 minutes to just say, okay, cool. I'm going to think about a bit about our business and not do a task that is required by it. So that's the literal way, you know, by 6 PM or so I'm trying to have some time with the family. That's a really good time. It's a really important thing for me. It's a piece of my mental health. That's in, that's imperative. So, and then I go to sleep. I think sleep is huge. I get to bed at eight 30 or nine and everybody else is typically still awake, but I, they just know dad disappears at eight 30 or nine goes to sleep. And that's how it is. It makes sense. I mean, you have to care for yourself and what works for you. Um, I've also heard you say that you never say no to an opportunity. Why is that? And what's the thinking behind that? This one can get a bit confusing. I do say no to things. I say no to lots of things. It's not that I say yes to everything, but opportunities like being on this podcast, an opportunity to tell your story or to take your business or products to others or to build a relationship. I'm big on relationships. I don't pass those up. Like I find a way to make that work that into my schedule because you just can't say no to those things because the second I've, I've seen it too many times, it's happened to me too many times. I say no to this opportunity because I think it's not big enough or it's not special enough. The person with the key to our next level, our next level of performance was there. You know, and I didn't go. So that's one that's one way I think about opportunities and the idea of not saying no. It's not about saying no to tasks. I yes, I mean I say no to lots of tasks. I try not to say no to opportunities that are real and available. And then do you think that bleeds into like say somebody is listening to this that doesn't have a company and like how do they hear that advice or recommendation and apply it to their own life. And maybe it's with their family or with their work or just how they live day to day. I mean, how do they apply that to their own lives? Okay. Let's say you're a parent. Okay. 
and your kid says, I, I want to go play catch, dad. That's an opportunity. Because guess what? You've got to take that. I mean, we're all busy. I'm distracted. I'm not saying that I get home and I'm perfectly available for my family. That's not a truth. I, I work at that. I have to work at it because I'm distracted by business, finances, just worries about the world. You know, the world can really distract you today. Like, uh oh, what's happening with our culture, our political system, all these things. I worry about that stuff. So it has me distracted. That opportunity to go play ball and I'm tired. I don't really want to do it. I look at it like, okay, I'm going to go do it because I don't want to. I need to practice doing things that I don't want to do. And I'll, if I allow it, there's going to be a great opportunity to have a conversation with my child. And you could think about it with your wife, with your friends, in an environment where they're just going to feel like opening up, like, hey, how'd your day go at school? How are you feeling about these things? And you can talk about that. Now, okay, so that's kind of one example. Another example is, let's say, you know, I started out working for a company. I mean, most of everybody listening probably has a job. Like not every single listener, not every single person is going to be a business owner. Sure. And that's not even a shameful thing. Like that is your journey. It's the thing you've, you can be great at and enjoy and have happiness. Like happiness should be your goal, not business ownership not some other thing that the world says, this is what makes you great. So if you're in a company, those opportunities are in front of you all the time. And, and what I'm asking you to do is think, is that going to make me a little uncomfortable? Yes, I'll do it. You know, it's those things that you have to go do because in 10 years time, you're going to have a so robust skill set because you've gone and took those opportunities to get uncomfortable. I totally agree with you. I think we learn a lot in our hardships and our struggles and being outside of our comfort zone. Um, I often talk about how, even though it's scary and um, really hard to kind of live outside of that comfort zone, it's when you don't feel comfortable that you can grow as a person and then you can find satisfaction in things that you thought were once hard or difficult. And then once you experience it, you realize, oh, I can do that. I wonder what else I can do and I can surpass than I had you know, once limited my um, view of myself. And, it, and while it's so scary, I think that's where when we start building character and resiliency and grit, that, that's where people start truly finding that level of happiness within themselves. On our entrepreneurial mastermind, there were a lot of questions about how did you make it through the pandemic? How did you, how are you surviving through this pandemic and this difficult time? And you shared a lot about your journey and just, you know, what, what does it take or what do we need to do to have resiliency? You know, it's not always easy that every single day we wake up and we're like, we're going to have the best day and we, we're going to, you know, get, get through everything and be successful. Some days it's hard. And how do we make it that there are more days that we are, you know, thriving than um, just kind of subsisting. I want everybody to think about uh, it's not a, it's none of this is something you've never heard before. I mean, this is not a secret I have and have just now let you know about, right? So surviving, it just goes to all this conversation we had right before here. Mm -hmm. Practice doing hard stuff every chance you get. If it's working out, if it's doing things within your role at your job or in your business. That's how when the pandemic comes, it's not slapping you all over the place and you don't know how to deal with it. It's like if you're going to do mixed martial arts, you're going to be a boxer. You've got to go in there and get hit. You've got to know what that feels like. You've got to know there's I can't tell you the secret to having success in a pandemic. I don't even know what it is for me. All I do know is I've been knocked down a few times. I keep getting up. We keep finding ways. Uh, I might tell you what, what's been really valuable for me is the network, making friends with Judy, doing the things it takes to have relationships in your industry, in your workplace, within your church group, all these things. Like have the network because I lean on that. I mean, I lean on that network hard when I don't know what to do. And, and almost always, they don't have the exact answer, but they say, well, hey, we tried this. It worked pretty good. Okay, cool. We'll try a version of that that really fits with, with our 
expectations and and how we do things. I wish there was some simple answer that said, okay, look, open your computer, go to this website, type, please help. They'll send you a list of things you do tomorrow and you'll just be, you'll just blow it out of the water. Take hard times. Those are the opportunities and embrace them. Uh, That is my, that is my best advice. And I hope this time, if you've not, you've heard that a million times, if you've not acted on it before, maybe this time you hear it and you say, okay, cool. I'm going to do some real changing to my life that, that makes me deal with some of that kind of stuff. Yeah. I, I saw a Twitter feed. I'm not on Twitter much, but I saw one and the person asked instead of, you know, we all can talk about all the negatives that have come out of the pandemic, but let's talk about some of the wins. And then there was a thread of so many comments of what have you changed in your life with the pandemic? And there were people that said, I lost so much weight. Um, I wrote a book. I, um, I started a new business and there were all these changes and it's, it was just so interesting to me to see the dichotomy of people that have um, been more sick through the pandemic and have said it's the worst time of their period. Or there were people that have had huge wins in their life through this struggle. And I think it really is, we've all gone through the, a similar pandemic, sure, situationally, it may have been different, but it was really up to us to decide what are we going to do with this new information, this new um, way that the world is going. So what do we do with it now? And um, I, I really think that our perspective and the way that we fought through it made such a huge difference. And I hope that the people that are listening and watching know that ultimately, no matter what you're going through, it'll pass. And um, you have the, you know, we can't control what we get affected by in the world. But essentially, uh, we make the decision of how we, I guess, uh, interact with that and what how we deal with that afterwards. So I think what you say, it makes so much sense. You know, you talk a lot about your faith. And, and I love that because even during uh, one of the biggest beauties for me during the uh, pandemic is I really leaned on my faith and it has really established a lot more of my foundation. What Nutrition with Judy represents, it's a lot more of that truth. And, and so I was just curious how how has your faith played a role in the way you run your business, how you are a cowboy and all of the other things when it comes to your faith? The most real way that works in my life. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a lot of ways, but the real the real way it plays for me and it's most valuable is it holds me accountable when nobody's watching. Mm-hmm. God has given me so much, deserves my best. So when nobody's watching, he's still there, you know, I mean, and God is, is the universe to me, you know, it's, uh, I feel that presence and, you know, I think there's, there's a good chance you have some listeners that are like, man, you know, I don't know about all that sounds kind of foo-foo uh, and it may be, but I don't know how to operate in the world and in life without feeling that. So I can't just get rid of it. I can't say, God, leave me alone. He's a part of my life. He's in my soul. So that's how it works for me. He's there always kind of holding me accountable when nobody's watching. And that's been really good because it is easy. It is tempting to take the shortcut to, uh, you know, nobody's really going to care if I sleep till 10 today. You know, the animals can make it one day without me. Oh, no, I'm, I'm still watching. Are you really going to take all you've been given and treat it that way? Yeah, you're right. I guess I'll go ahead and get after it. You know, plus, once you kind of get up and get after it, all of that laziness disappears and you start enjoying the action of doing things. Uh, I think listeners have to understand i empathize with all those struggles you go through depression marital stresses finances just arguing over how to parent like the so much in the world is against us god is for us and i really love that so there you go that's how faith plays for me yeah i i have a very similar thought um that makes so much sense to me when i first started uh, there was a you know, I've always been a faith-based. I was born into the church, but um, I don't think my relationship really solidified until more recently. And when I first started, I, there was a lot of scarcity mindset in me where, oh, 
what if nutrition with Judy doesn't work out? What if the business doesn't work out and I have little mouths to feed and you know, do I have to go back to consulting and a lot of things. But once I really just leaned on God and said, I trust him. And I know that this is my place to be. Then there was a different mindset into when we would get inquiries for questions of I'm thinking of buying a test or a product. What should I get? And instead of thinking, what will make the most money for us. It's more of what does this person need and how can we serve them best? And that mind shift, that foundation of what can I do to better serve the client rather than what will bring in more money has been completely different. And I can sleep so much more peacefully at night knowing that I'm doing the right thing and it's not just money driven, if that makes sense. And I think that for me has been a huge shift. So I I completely get it. Yeehaw. I mean, everybody... (laughs) I know you're familiar with Judy, but that is some of the most profound wisdom I'm, I'm sure you've ever heard. It's just the truth. The day you quit chasing success, you will have it. You know, it will. It just happens when you start operating on the from the position that I don't know everything. I am not totally in control of this world or even my life. I could die. Like I could die now. Like. Bam, gone. Have I done things in my life in a way that I'm proud of? God will be proud of. Listen, let's tr- the truth is, I am not going to be remembered 500 years from now. Right. Nobody's going to care. What am I doing today that makes me happy, proud, and, and adds value to, to the world? And m- right. mainly other humans, because that's the people that have the most capacity for feeling that. Uh, I wanted to mention Viktor Frankl's book. He's a psychiatrist. I recently listened to it on Audible. I can't remember the title, but it's his story of being in a concentration camp, Mm -hmm. Auschwitz and several other ones. He was a Jewish uh, kind of uh, prisoner during the Holocaust. And that, what you said, is in his book. Like Mm -hmm. the day you quit chasing it and allow it to happen— is the day you'll have it. So everybody, really, I hope you hold on to that and think about it. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And for me personally, I struggled with depression for a very long time in my life. And eating more meat-based was very, very helpful. And then the other big part of it was my faith, because I think once I started looking at life through the lens of my faith and then serving others rather than just what's in it for me, then it became you get this level of fulfillment when you start serving others rather than, you know, you can be the richest person and still be depressed. I have so many friends like that in, um, in the world and um, money, you can get it in some form or fashion. But if you, I've noticed it's just very common, but when people are doing things to serve a bigger purpose or um, do things for the greater good. There's a level of fulfillment that nothing else, no monetary thing can support. And you'll, you see that time and time again in books and inspirational books that recommend if you find something that's greater than you, a purpose or a movement or doing things, serving, um, you will actually probably find more fulfillment than chasing like this job or this perfect family, this perfect thing. Why do we not do that naturally? You know, that's the question I ask myself a lot. That that makes so much sense. It makes life so much more enjoyable and uh, easy. Why do we not just do that? Because we all want to compare ourselves to some other person, (laughs) you know, like some other thing we compare ourselves to. We set some bar based on that. And then all of a sudden, we're not meeting that. Don't do that. Like, if we could, and I work hard with my kids, and I can't give it to them. I can only tell them a lot of this stuff, but I can't plug it into them like a USB download and give them these things. It's it's all stuff you'll have to go get for yourself. I have to get for myself. And the idea that you don't have to is where we go wrong. Don't compare and understand it's nothing is given to you. Nothing, nothing, nothing. It will never happen. Right. Yeah, someday you might win the lottery, but there's that's that's the money that you've now just been gifted a lot more problems. I have one billionaire friend, and I just love his thoughts on things. We were talking, 
look, I'm not immune to everything I'm talking about being a bad idea. I compare myself to other people. I want my podcast to be the most popular one, bigger than Joe Rogan. You know, there you go. I do these things that I'm, I'm telling everybody not to. I don't think there's anybody who doesn't. We were talking about some piece of our business. I'm like, we we got to make this happen. It's worth million dollar contract. Da da da. And he's like, why are you acting like that? And I was like, that's how. I mean, we have. This is part of of fighting and winning and all this. And he said, Neil, you will never have enough money. I'm a billionaire and I don't have enough money. You know, it's the craziest thing. The idea you're ever going to have enough is false. It is a discard that as quick as you can and realize what you really want. You got to have money. It's part of life. It's, it's a token. It's a piece of leverage that is good. And when I want everybody to know how to use it and how to respect it, but you're not, you're never going to have enough. You could always think, well, that guy has more, that girl has more. Learn that, please. Yes. Um, I wanted to shift topics a little bit. So I try to advocate for wellness for all. I think if people were to just limit a lot of the processed foods, a lot of the carbohydrates, they can start really healing. And so with that, you know, I, I do love that Peterson Farms doesn't use a lot of other stuff and it's really just the meat and higher quality, but not everyone can afford the higher price point. So how do we start shifting in a way that we can maybe afford the, maybe the higher quality meats that don't have a lot of the fillers and the sugars but we maybe have a smaller budget. Oh, that's a tough one. What I want to say is you can't afford not to. I mean, you're going to spend this money on yourself in one place or the other. I, I tend to think it's a smart idea to spend it early with nutrition, with high quality food. Or you can then spend it later on health care and uh, kind of healing those problems that your diet has caused. Also, good food can be consumed can be consumed in smaller quantities. Like we all eat so much. You don't have to eat so much when you're getting really high quality nutrient dense food. I like meat. I also like good cheese. I also love vegetables from the garden. I understand. I think I my own personal experience is I get along with most of those things pretty good. What, what, what will kind of mess me up is sugar. I was the other day, I had just kind of gone off the wagon and I was eating really bad and I just had a headache. You know, I was like, dang, I, want, I must be catching a cold or something. And it just smacked me. No, you're not catching a cold. You're eating bad. That's why you feel like this. So I cleaned it up and I'm right back to feeling really good. I know that budget piece is really hard. I just want, I just will tell you, if it's cheap, I was telling my wife, we should make two brands, twice as good and half as good. If it's cheap, it's probably half as good. If it's expensive, it's probably twice as good. It costs money to do it well. Uh, it's just, there's, I don't know of a system that gets away from that. Maybe socialism or people who just get whatever they want whenever they want it. But you have to prioritize those things. Don't go to the movies. There's part of that struggle. Oh, no, but I want to go to the movies. All my friends get to go to the movies. Well, you don't get to. If you want to prioritize your health and you have not found a way to increase your uh, income, right? So it's choices. That's my answer. Uh, so many thoughts, but, um, I, I have clients, for example, that tell me they cannot do any ground beef, which obviously ground beef is much more economical. It doesn't matter if it's grass finished or conventional, it's cheaper than if you were to buy ribeyes all the time. So then one of my clients told me, well, I only like ribeyes of the beef version. So what can I do? So I said, fine, if you really just want to eat ribeyes and assuming that you don't have to cut costs from any other facet of your life, then maybe you just introduce a little bit more fasting so that you're eating less meals over throughout rather than having like three meals of ground beef, you maybe have just one or two. And the whole point of that is, so there's ways to make it work. Um, And it's really like you said, it's setting priorities. I mean, we are doing some construction in our home and 
And we have to prioritize, okay, so maybe we live in a smaller home, but we fix a home that there's less mold in it, for example. And I think everyone has to make that choice of priorities that we don't, I personally don't spend a lot of money on personal care and, um, you know, going out to these events, I guess, that would cost more money so that we can save for my children's not going to public school as an example. That's where it's a hard conversation, but we do have a finite amount of money. I get that. But it's also how can we allocate? How can we save? I think nutrition is very similar to finances. We know what we need to do to be healthier. So in the same vein with finances, it's the same thing. It's, well, if you know that you can heal with maybe the pasture-raised, grass-finished, organic meats, then maybe you have to allocate a little extra in that savings bucket so that you can eat those foods to be healthier. I I get not everyone has the uh, money, but there are ways to save. And I, I think setting priority to food, well, then, like you said, in the future, you don't have to pay the doctor, the pharmacist for all the medication. So it makes a lot of sense. I want the listeners to just think about it uh, from the the standpoint of excuses. I, I'm not going to listen to your excuses. Well, I can't afford it. Change that. I, forget, I know there's not a single listener to this moment in time that doesn't have the wherewithal and capability to change things in their life that they don't like, that they're not happy with. I know you can do it. I've done it. I've seen lots of people do it. Judy's done it. It has nothing to do with my financial position, my uh, mommy and daddy. I mean, none of that stuff has anything to do with it. It's about you. If you want something different, quit giving excuses and change. That's not easy. You can't just wake up and say, oh, today I think I'm going to start being an implementer of hard work. It doesn't happen like that. It takes time. It's the same as weight loss. Any kind of thing that's worth having, which goes back to some of our conversation earlier, should be painful. It should take time. It will not be easy. So would you say your biggest tip for success, whether it's life, family, work, is um, it's doing the hard work? Is there anything else that you would want to you know, have the listeners and watchers know about what, what it takes to be successful? Well, you have to define it. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> to be successful, you have to define what that is to you. I could tell you what I think success is, but that's me. And, and I am successful. I, I worked hard for that and I'm proud of it. It, it, it does have to do with my bank account. It has to do with my relationship with God. It has to do with my relationship with my wife and kids. Those things are all. So success for me is not success for you. You have to define what that is. And then you have to go get it. I, you know, so and I think there's a lot of things that the world gets us all jumbled up about. It's that comparison thing. It's the billionaire thing. It's the private jets. But if you listen to my content much, you'll know I want a private jet. I do. It's it's almost like just this thing. I, it's not going to kill me if I don't get it. But it, it adds a freedom to my life that I would really enjoy. So I'm, I try to do things so that I might be able to have that someday. Yeah, they say that um, if you don't know where you're going, how would you know to even how to get started? So that that makes a lot of sense. Define of all the- it, just find what success is for you, and it can change. It doesn't have to be the same thing for years and years and forever. Like sometimes you need to focus your idea of success on being present with my family. That's what's going to make me successful now. Until I get that down to be like a second nature thing, I'm driving everything in that direction. Then once that's kind of, okay, cool, that does, doesn't require much mental uh, preparation and expectation. It's just kind of natural. Now then, okay, cool, let's add another thing to what my picture of success is. Yeah, I love that. Um, I always also recommend that some people consider what's their five-year plan, thinking of where where do they see their life, their relationships, their career, whatever it may be five years later, even with their health and wellness. And then from there, you just kind of start deducting backward and work backwards to then what do you have to do every day in order to get to that five year plan. And that's where I say, instead of focusing on the five year plan, which can be really stressful of, 
there's there's so much I need to do to get there. If you focus on your day-to-day, that will then get you to the five-year plan. It makes it much more palatable on a daily basis. I call that win the days. I have a list that I go through every single day in order for me to hopefully get to that five-year mark. And even if I don't reach it, I'm still marching towards that day-to-day and it makes it the life again fulfilling. And it takes you off the hook of perfection. Sure. If you're going to this thing as five years out, you can have a fail day. I mean, you can have a fail month, right? You can always make up for that. It's when you put the emphasis on perfection. I can't afford to not get this perfectly right. Maybe one story or one thing that kind of ties all of this together is in my career, I've seen things that I wanted our business or myself to do, and they didn't work out. And five years later, I am so super thankful that didn't happen because it would have changed the trajectory of everything. And and God gets me where I need to be, although I don't know exactly how that's going to happen every time. So so sometimes like you can't be in charge of everything. Yes. Yes. Agreed. Agreed fully. Of all the Peterson Farm products, what's your favorite and how do you recommend um, to prepare it for it to be the most tasty? Uh, this one's boring. Bacon is my favorite thing we do. Bacon is the most beautiful ingredient, yes. center of the plate item. It's is full of fat. Now, you might have some more education on this, and I'd be curious about when we could explore if we have time. Sure. The polyunsaturated fat that I'm hearing quite a bit out there on social media uh, around uh, bacon and those things. I've never got a headache from eating too much bacon. You know, I've never had what feels like sluggish, just not on top of my game experience from eating bacon, sausage, steak, these things. Bacon is my favorite. Cook it any way you want. I prefer mine floppy. Okay. Okay. Sounds good. You know, a quick conversation about the polyunsaturated fatty acids or PUFAs. I've interviewed a lot of the carnivore advocates, doctors, um, leaders in the space about this. And the the gap I had for me, me as a nutritionist was, well, salmon, fatty salmon has a lot of polyunsaturated fatty acids. We know that there are benefits with omega-3s. There are tests that you can take to see the, the omega-3, omega-6 ratios. And in terms of salmon, for example, uh, there's a lot of benefit in terms of inflammation and pain. And I see it through a lot of my very, very unwell clients. And even that was getting demonized with this whole PUFA belief where it really comes down to is there's a lot of seed oils that have a astronomical amount of PUFAs in terms of the omega sixes compared to the omega threes. And so there's this uh, difference in the quality of omega threes to sixes. And that's why a lot of people are arguing therefore these PUFAs then make your fat cells a little bit more sensitive. And so they're therefore your body will signal to store more fat. If you are getting PUFAs from animals, they're not rancid like they are with the seed oils. The main reason the seed oils are bad is yes, there may be an abnormal amount of PUFAs or uh, omega-6s compared to the omega-3s. There's some truth in that, but I don't think that's the main reason it's bad. It's it's that these oils are oxidized, right? They go through lots of heating, there's bleaching, there's deodorizing, they're making a toxic flower like canola or rapeseed the plant to then become canola. But when it comes to animals, um, it's the way God intended. And if you eat an animal that is uh, fresh, um, you're they're not going to turn rancid in your body, right? And so that's where I think some of these advocates really want to believe that I'm in the cutting edge area of research. And this is what I found. And this is what it makes sense logically. But what I can tell you is working with the most unwell people, the whether it's just grass finished or whether it's removing all the PUFAs, it does not move the needle. I, I do think there are people that do better with the pasture-raised organic pork for sure. I, and I, but I don't think it's a PUFA effect, right? It might be that the conventional pigs are, they, they use some type of chemical or uh, medication. I think one is rapamycin and that can actually cause illness within a body, but that has nothing to do with the PUFAs. I think there was a lot of fear mongering in the space and it's kind of caught fire of, well, we should also stop eating chicken and pork, but 
The reality is, is, is that a lot of the seed oils are rancid and causes inflammation within our body, but that is not the same with animals. You're not eating rancid fat. And so at the core of it, it is incorrect. And I wrote a very long article. I'll send it to you with all the, the papers that these advocates cite. If you look at not, not the headline, but the actual information, there's a lot of misinformation that they're sharing. Unfortunately, again, it's just the headlines show something different than the actual studies. I, I kind of beg everyone to just use some logic, you know, I mean, Judy, you've got a lot more experience with this than me. You're working one-on-one with people who are kind of dynamically unhealthy. They really need to make some serious changes. I'm so proud of them for even looking for the help. You know, Mm -hmm. it's like I'm generally healthy or I look healthy. I could be totally unhealthy. It's not always just what you see with your eyes in financial, you know, all of these things we're talking about. Also, these headlines, I kind of appreciate the big, bold, brash headlines because I think our nutrition system needs quite a bit of change. But those big, bold, brash headlines are only going to move us a little bit of the way towards the improvement. Um, So I think some people are called to really be loud on this one far side where the truth is most everything is going to fall somewhere in the middle, somewhere towards good logic, like pay attention to your own body and how you feel. And that's going to tell you a lot more than I can tell you. I would argue that Judy can tell you that any person out on social media is screaming poofas are bad. There's a chance they are, but ask yourself, do I feel bad after bacon? Like, do I feel bad? No. Okay. Well, you know, I'm not going to worry about that. Yeah. One thing I didn't bring up with all, the whole PUFA conversation is the benefits of eating pork, actually. And I actually advocate for eating more pork. And I know there are some religions that don't eat pork. And so that's when I actually recommend the salmon. But all of those are higher in PUFAs. And the reason is beef, whether you eat the liver, because people think liver is super nutrient dense, but Beef in general is lacking thiamine, which is vitamin B1 and vitamin B1 helps to metabolize uh, macronutrients and gives you the energy. Well, the richest food in thiamine and B1 is pork. And then if you look at all the cultures, even in the blue zones, all the cultures that are traditional, they all cook with lard. They all cook with lard, right? So whether it's Greece or even in Asia, right? Hong Kong is one of um, the longest living countries. And they are huge, huge consumers of pork. Same with Korea. If we just think of logically, could pork or pigs that have been around forever, can they be doing that much harm? Was that really the culprit of what's making everyone sick today? And if if we use that logic, I think a lot of times, then we start realizing maybe I'm getting sold something on the internet. And I get it. People want their space of expertise. But sometimes it just takes time for it to unravel and see, well, there might be some truth to it, but the rest is truly extrapolation. But I know from a nutrient density perspective, there is no food ounce to ounce, gram to gram that has more thiamine than pork. And we are mostly all deficient in vitamin B1. (laughs) Yeehaw again. I mean, that kind of stuff is, that's why you come listen to these conversations. It's why you spend an hour of your time that you'll never get back. It's your number one most valuable asset. That's why. It's why I enjoy this so much. Right there is a valuable piece of education Judy has given me. And I think this conversation has a lot of that kind of value within it if you want it. You know, and I got to believe if you're listening this far into the conversation, <laughs> you want it. You uh, you already realize Judy's bringing lots of good content, lots of good uh, education, and you're just paying attention to that. Uh, you'll hear a lot of creators talking about, well, I don't pay attention to what other people are doing. That's not me. I consume a lot of other people's podcasts. I listen to a lot of audio books. I, I, I listen to information better than I read it, and I'm driving a lot. So I spend a lot of time doing that. And I appreciate it so much. So 
that's one of those comparison things. I'll hear con content creators say, well, I don't pay attention because what I know is the thing. Like, mm -hmm. I'm not going to learn anything from those other dum-dums. I don't think like that. I think I've got, I've got a lot to learn. I can learn it from Judy. I can learn it from the guy I meet on the street when I walk out of here. So I encourage you to kind of have that perspective on it as well. I know there's high performers that listen to this. There's, there's super wealthy people. There's super happy people. And I think you can just have more of those things if yes. you accept that you don't know it all. I agree. And I always say to trust your body's wisdom at the end of the day. If you uh, smell rotten meat, you, you feel like you don't want to eat it. And in that same thought, um, if you eat pork and you feel well, then why are you questioning the thought of eating pork? Because there are truly, I really feel that God wants us to eat what I call the rainbow of meats is just a bit of everything. It's beef, lamb, pork, everything, because they all have slightly different nutrient profiles. And I think it's intended. And when we just hyper-focus on one meat, maybe when you're sick, fine, but I, I really think we should start going back to trusting our body rather than just this expert says this, and they may ha again, have some truths, but that doesn't mean that that truth is necessarily right for you. I just could talk to you forever because it keeps me, I keep thinking about other things. I, you know, I don't know that TV is good for us, but I watch some, I watch this show called alone where they take survivalists <laughs> out, drop them out in the wilderness and tell them survive, see how long you can make it. Guess what they have to worry about shelter right. and food. <laughs> Two things. That's it. Nothing else that, to survive. You have to worry about shelter and food. And if you watch, most of what they're able to find and sustain themselves on is meat, fish, you know, rats, yes. squirrels, porcupines, and the and the organs are very valuable to them. They right. they prioritize that organ meat. So right yes. there, I mean, how do you argue that? Like you don't see them digging up the soil and starting to plant crops to survive. They worry about shelter and food and where they find that is in the meat of animals. Yes. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. This has been a pleasure and I just enjoyed our conversation so much. Where can people find you, your podcast, and then the Peterson Farm Brands, where can they also find that? Yes. And you'll see if you watch the video or if you, I have a, a brand <laughs> on my shirt, it's called Nature's Rancher. Okay. So Whole Foods is our largest customer nationwide. Mm -hmm. So if you want our products, in Whole Foods, look for the Nature's Rancher brand. That story is probably a whole nother podcast, but it simply kind of turns to when Amazon bought Whole Foods, there was a mindset within Whole Foods that they wanted to move away from national brands, which Peterson's was selling our brand all over the country to other retailers. So to keep that business and to protect our own employees and, and financials, we started or bought another brand called Nature's Rancher, and now that's sold exclusively to Whole Foods. So can be confusing because okay. I talk mainly about Peterson's. That is the the thing that we try to grow in in the world. But Nature's Rancher is what you you will get our products. We make them. It's the exact same thing as Peterson's. It's just called Nature's Rancher and Whole Foods. Sprouts, uh, natural grocers, all these kind of upscale retailers, I say upscale, more naturally focused, sure. more uh, cognizant of those people who are interested in knowing where their food comes and those kind of things. Those are the retailers that you can find our products in. And we're all over the United States. We're in all, including Alaska and Hawaii. So, and also on e-commerce, petersonsfarms.com. And you can, we have our products for sale to deliver straight to your home. And that turns out to be valuable for quite a few people because most of our business is done in the metropolitan areas, in the right. bigger cities. So if you're wanting to eat our food or our products and you live maybe in Comanche, Texas, which is where I live, you have to order it online or drive a pretty good ways to find it. I think ordering it online works best for us just because got other things to do besides drive to the grocery store. It does cost a little more. I mean, there we come back around to that kind of dynamic truth is there's no easy answer. It sure. does cost a little more to get it straight to your door. 
Check us out on any podcast platform on YouTube, Peterson's Farms on YouTube, on Instagram. Uh, you know, we're just trying to put this uh, truth out in every place. So anybody has a preference, they can find that education, find that information and know what Peterson stands for. The cowboy perspective is the same way. Google's magic. Google Peterson's Farm, spelled with a D, P-E-D-E-R-S-O-N-S Farms, and it'll get you to some of this information. Google the cowboy perspective, same thing. Okay, and I'll put everything in the show notes. Thank you so much again for joining me and for sharing all your cowboy wisdom. Thank you. Oh, and lastly, everybody, you, you should listen back to... Uh, you know, we're recording this podcast. It's one of the cool things about it. It's not live. It gives us a chance to kind of take out the ums and ahs <laughs> and stuff. But Judy has been a participant within our live Q&A where we let participants get right next to these thought leaders, these experts and ask questions. That's part of what Peterson's job is to bring, you know, use some of our connections, some of our relationships, some of our network to give people access to Judy and other really smart individuals so they can ask those questions that they have. So go back, look up, go to our website. We'll have those things there as well. You can go listen to that. And I'll put it in the show notes as well too. Well, thank you again so much for your time. And yeah, thank you again. Yes, ma'am. Have a great one. It was a fun part of my life. I'm glad I did it. <laughs> thank you. Okay, guys, I hope that this conversation was as beneficial and fun for you as it was for me. I learned a lot about the Cowboys perspective and how hard work is needed in order to achieve a lot of the things. I know this conversation doesn't give you a quick fix or a magic pill to change everything in your life, but I hope it gives you some steps to start giving you the encouragement and inspiration to do the hard things that will truly bring change in your life. Okay, guys, you know the drill. Make sure to eat a lot of meat. Take care of your bodies because it is the only place you have to live. I will talk to you later. Bye, guys. Thanks for listening to the Nutrition with Judy podcast. If you liked what you heard today, please make sure to leave a five-star review on your favorite podcast app so more listeners like you can find the show. If you want more practitioner care and support, head over to nutritionwithjudy.com slash groups so you can get more real talk about carnivore, the environment, and root cause healing. You can also find my content on Nutrition with Judy's YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Make sure to sign up for my weekly newsletter and learn more about in-depth articles with infographics at nutritionwithjudy.com slash articles. You can find my two books, Carnivore Cure and the Complete Carnivore Diet for Beginners on carnivorecure.com and amazon.com. At the heart of Nutrition with Judy's practice, our mission lies with a deep, unwavering passion for service and community. We will continue to empower you to have the knowledge and tools to live a life nearly symptom-free because we firmly believe in healing and wellness for all.